0: oh it's nice to be back in it but we had to have just a little breather last week i think that's i think that's important sometimes especially now especially this year my god we need to breathe a bit more you know, in these uncertain times we all know it's important to stay fit stay healthy we're told aren't we? all the time do something to release all those delicious endorphins because they are going to help your mind as well as your body yes we know Sometimes it's just tough, and it? It's tough to get motivated. Also, and I don't know about you... It's a bit like going to the cinema, I I feel a bit unnerved at the moment. I don't want to go back to a big old sweaty gym... Trusting that somebody's sanitised all this equipment. Well, that's where this week's sponsor comes in. Massive thank you to the PT Factory in Manchester... Because trust me, they are going to help and look after you in all sorts of ways... Now, whether you need to lose weight, tone up, or you just want to get back to the gym, you want to set some new goals, some new plans, they are going to be helping you. It's one-to-one training, all bespoke to suit your needs. And you know what? If you don't want to do it yourself, you can also train with a friend. Now, with this offer, you get a free consultation where you can plan, set your goals, they'll Re, rehash your diet. It's going to be because the diet is the most important thing, so I've been told. Now, they'll take your blood pressure, they'll weigh you in, they'll measure the whole of your body. No stone is left unturned. What they'll do then is they'll take you for a one to one training session as a little taster. And also, with this offer, you get £100 off your first month. Now, I am in my third week of training with these guys. Now, also, look, do, do, do you want a male trainer? No problem. Do you are a female trainer? Again, no problem. Yeah, the third week I'm in, and it is doing so much for me. I can't tell you. Look, you've really got nothing to lose. All you've got to do is go to the PTfactory.com in the middle section, fill out your name, and pop in, and this is important, PT, TSP, and you will receive this brilliant offer. You've really got nothing to lose. I'll see you down there. Um, how are you? Is everything okay? Are you good? It's nearly the weekend, if you listen to this on a Thursday. Not that, you know, the days seem to blend into one at the moment, don't they? But I hope you're keeping fit, keeping well, keeping active, and doing what you're doing. Um, it's episode 136 this week, and it's uh, it's a brilliant conversation with Nicole Kidman. What, Greg? Just, no, you're not, yeah, okay? Say that again? Nicole Kidman, yes, that's right. I had to get up super early um, because uh she wasn 't in the u k she's she 's back filming in Byron Bay in Australia, obviously, so yeah, it was a bit of an early start, and the night before, I must admit, and now look it 's not because it was um Nicole Kidman, but I always get a bit nervous, and I think it 's good it 's healthy to have that excitement because I genuinely, you, you, we don't know how the conversation's going to be. Don't know how the other person is, you know, it's a bit like, you know, when you meet people, they, what if they're having a bad day? How, how am I going to navigate this conversation? Um, which is always a fear and a worry, but which is what sort of drives me on to, to carry on, uh, making this podcast. And you know what? I called Griff after we finished the interview, I was giddy with excitement because it was a, it was a real buzz talking to her because we really got into it. And do you know what? She is a laugh. We laughed a lot, um, and we go everywhere. We talk very briefly. You know what it's like on this podcast, ever so briefly about her new HBO series, The Undoing. Um, look, I've seen I've seen the first five episodes. And you are in for a treat. It's going to be on Sky Atlantic starting Sunday, the 26th of October. We're not sponsored by Sky, although we really should be, shouldn't we? Come on, Sky. If you want to sponsor us, you really should. It is a great show. And she is fantastic in it, Uh, as is Hugh Grant, as is the legend, that is Donald Sutherland. An amazing cast. I'm rambling because we went all over the place with this conversation. We talk about growing up. We talk about her passion for acting, how it's funny enough, how she's always learning. She never stops learning. How many times have we heard that when I've been talking to actors? It doesn't matter what level you're at. Um, she gives some great advice for younger actors. Um, we talk about taking risks, fear, stage fright comes into it. Um, stuff that, that she learned years ago that she never thought that she would need and how Working with, you know, someone like, we talk a bit about Lars von Trier at the end. Um, ah, oh, it's a great, great conversation. Um, yeah, and I'm thrilled, thrilled that she, uh, chose the Two Shot podcast to come on and, and have a with me. It was a re- I think I say this at the end, it was real, it was a real kickstart to my morning, um, and I'm recording this only a few hours after we've, We've had that conversation and you know, what? I'm still buzzing and I can't wait for you to hear it. Craig stop talking Let's get to this episode. You are damn right. Let's do this This is episode 136 of the two-shot podcast With Nicole Kidman enjoy and I'll see you at the end Nicole, how are you and how have the last few months I mean, been I- for you? The last
1: few minutes, did you say?
0: Well, we know what the last few minutes have been. We've just been sorting art out. But what I'm more concerned about is how the last few months have been for you, for the family.
1: We've been, um, well, we actually ended up um, moving our whole production and we're shooting in Australia um, in a place called Byron Bay right now. Mm. We're shooting a, a limited series. Which has been I mean the idea was a great idea, and then the actual execution of it has been um, more stressful, say than I would have more challenging isn't that the word that you use now mm. um, more challenging than I would have thought, but I'm glad we're doing it I'm, and and we are doing it and it's and it's fun to work and to see people being being able to see people work and get their jobs back and, exactly
0: but, yeah, and obviously everything's much slower and i had i'm about to start back filming and i hadn't hadn't filmed since february so obviously i'm aching to get back to work Mm. but i had uh a guy come around to my house in a full hazmat suit the other day to to give me a test because i'm working with two different two different production companies so they have to do their tests and it's like everything's gonna be like like filming wasn't slow enough Anyway, it's going to be much more slow and steady as we go. And I think it's just going to be like that for the foreseeable. But as you said, I'm I'm pleased that people, not just myself, people are getting back to work and we can get the machine going again.
1: Oh, yeah, because it's like the bottom has dropped out of everything and it's just, like, really difficult. But we're testing three times a week on
0: our set. You're doing three times a week? Yeah. Yeah, yeah.
1: We... It's part of our um, union rules and union protocol. So, But it's, it actually means that you feel safe.
0: I was going to say, I mean, I've been told that we're being tested uh, twice, once, once a week, and then if you have a break, then you have to have another one 72 hours before you're back on set.
1: Right. Um, Which doesn't correspond, really, with the co- quarantine. No. But anyway...
0: Different rules.
1: I'll stay out of it.
0: Hey, it's nothing to do with me. I'll send you around to the BBC. St- stay
1: I'll... in my own lane is what I get told a lot.
0: <laughs> so I'm happy. Yes. And I'm also slightly angry. Uh-oh. And I'm going to tell you why. I've inhaled the first five episodes of The Undoing. Good. Good. And we're going to move on to that in a second.
1: And we've withheld the sixth.
0: That is why I'm angry. It's not with you, but it is with HBO. Yes. I've finished five and... I had so many questions, and I screamed at my laptop. Um, it's incredible. It's so tense. But what is... And also, I found there's some moments of beautiful jet black humour in the very first episode. Yes. Because I was laughing out loud.
1: Good. Susanna will love to know that. Susanna be the director. Um... She wanted some humour in there.
0: Yeah, well, she gets it. And it also comes later on. And I, we've got to be... I really want to be... Because I came to this cold. I didn't know anything about it. Good. And I You're really want people... the best audience, then. I want people to do that. So I want to be careful when we're talking about it. So well, let's walk through it like a minefield. Because there is so many spoilers that we could talk about. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to get into how delicious Donald Sutherland says the word cocksucker in that amazing <laughs> moment because and loved is,
1: saying it repeatedly oh, may I
0: add with relish <laughs> oh did. my god he loved it <laughs> there's just something so joyous about it but yeah um the project cuz it's based on the novel is this something that you acquired the rights for and took it to david or to susanna or was it something that came to you
1: yeah, no, something that came to me through David. Right. Um, and subsequently we went to Suzanne and um, and she was immediately um, responsive, which was fantastic because that's mm. unusual. Um, and then um, she went to Hugh, who said yes. So it was one of those domino effects where you just go, oh, my gosh, we're lucky because... It all sort of just slipped into place. Um, part, I, th- I think, because the story is such a good yarn. You know, you go, okay, I'm ready to get on this on this ride. And and Susanna had done Night Manager, so she's um, or she was. You know, we were all just dying to work with her after mm. seeing her work, and then also because of her films that she'd done. Um, Bird Box hadn't come out at that point. Um so, she t- so the main thing was just kind of her then taking it and making it into her voice and her vision, which is what she did. And she's yeah. very um, powerful, Susanna, I would say. You know, as a, as a director and as a visionary, she's just very
0: powerful. But it got me thinking about, and I'm going back years now, obviously slowly and steady over the years, the way that we consume television has completely changed. But when I was watching, you know, you've got yourself, Hugh Grant, cinematic legend Donald Sutherland. There was, going back years, between... There was very clear division between film here Mm. and television here. Mm. So we would have our film actors in this camp, television actors and directors in this camp. And in a way, television used to be sort of looked down at and possibly sneered on. And I was pinpointing when did that change happen and I was thinking about The Sopranos because... Yeah, right. Th- uh, ..the scripts changed, the stories changed, the budget changed. What they moved into... Which was, was HBO, ma- Which was initially. HBO, yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah. So
0: now there's there's no division, there's no crossover. We have just actors... Going for the great stories, whether they be on the big screen or on the television. Yeah. Do you go for, well, I'm just going to go where the great scripts are, whether that be on and television. And the directors. I, I, well, the of directors course. The directors
1: and the writers. I mean, ultimately, um, yeah, it's... You, it starts with the screenplay or the text, and then hopefully the combination is either. I mean, a lot of times it's a writer director, but um, in this case, it's the writer and then the director, as it was with Big Little Lies. But I go for um, many different things, many different reasons. I'll choose material. Uh, but in terms of the, the work I've done in limited series, I think it's to do with the group of people and then the storytelling, yes. And whether it warrants committing that much of your life because it's, you're doing six to eight hours, mm. which is very different to 90 minutes or mm-hmm. 100 minutes. Um, it's a different pace and it requires a different um, set of, uh, of sort of, I suppose, skills. But if you want to call them that, because you've got to be able to map things out. You don't get to shoot in sequence. No, yeah, of course. Um, I think on some series you get to shoot it each episode. I've never had that. I've never had that luxury. It's always like we have this amount of money, this amount of time. We're going to have to shoot the whole thing back and forth, and you're going to just have to chart and map the emotional journey of the character. And I do find that overwhelming i, I mean that, that is probably the hardest part of it, so that you're con- i 'm constantly going home and i 'm sitting there with the scripts and i 'm rereading and i 'm working and i 'm um, emotionally preparing the night before and it is like it 's like running a marathon. It requires that sort of concentration that's that stamina and and then also the desire
0: yeah of course.
1: getting to the <laughs> getting to the finish line <laughs> is based on whether you actually you know, have the the motivation and the desire, and I do. I love doing it. I love working with um, people who are deeply passionate and committed to what they want to 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 this and to what we're doing. It's so fun, then.
0: And also, you, it's a different mindset because you have to navigate well exactly where the character is, you know, emotionally mm. and right. Okay, oh, I'm here now. But do you? Do you relish spending, you know, six or eight hours with a character and peeling back these layers as opposed to spending, you know, the 90 minutes with someone?
1: Well, it it depends, you know. I've always said there's no supporting roles. So even in a film, when you go in in a smaller role, like I did say in Lion, mm. there's so much in that, in six scenes... But there was something I wanted to say with that, and do with that, in relation to my life and, mm-hmm. and why I wanted to be in that in that film. So it 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 changes, you know, From project different to project. reasons for different yeah, yeah yeah it does. But it's exciting when you're working, and I love the working with the other actors. So working with someone like Hugh on this, working with Edgar Ramirez and Matilda. For, I mean, there was such a global Noma. I mean, she came oh my in and God. she was just like, whoosh. she just owned it. She walked in and it was like she owned the law firm. She owned us.
0: <laughs> she really <laughs> and did. She
1: just took it. And then she's so funny as soon as the camera, you know, is turned off. But once it's on, it's like, whoosh. and she can shoot daggers with her eyes. Oh, gosh, and then yeah, her yes. intonation and her meter, which the way in which she talks and vocally, she's so, so um, beautiful to listen to. Mm. So. Um, so it's, it's, it's that you get to spend a lot of time with these people that you enjoy, um, and that are are really interesting and the conversations that come out of it in terms of just, not just the work, but, but life and, and, um, and philosophy and ideas and examining, you know, the human the human condition and why we're here and what we're... All of those things, those conversations are always circling on a set or in a rehearsal room, and that's probably something I'm slightly addicted to. (laughs) Because I love the the conversation, um, and I learn. I'm constantly learning about life
0: But that's the beautiful thing. Whenever I, I talk to actors on the podcast, and it doesn't matter where they are in their career... Yeah. ..what... I think what feeds us is the constant asking questions because we just want to learn, we want to, and you never stop learning because it changes from who you're working with, yeah. from director to actor, producer, everything, and that's what keeps us going. And there's another interesting thing about watching The Undoing is that it raises questions for us as an audience, but what it doesn't do, it never patronises the audience... And I think sometimes dramas, we're we, we, sometimes you know you're watching something mm. and go, I'm five steps ahead of you here, and lo and behold, yeah. a few scenes time. I, you were. What did I, what did I tell you? <gasps> I told you that was going to happen, I told you. But with yeah. this, no, 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 it doesn't patronise the audience, it keeps, it keeps you on your toes.
1: Then that's David and Suzanne, because I, re- I really want to patronise the audience.
0: No, you, no, you do not.
1: <laughs> I'm chasing you. No. I, I mean, what, what's wonderful is when you're in the hands of someone that really is, knows, knows what they're doing, you can kind of relax and let them um, lead, and that's the wonderful... It's probably why I have no interest in directing, because I would hate to be the leader. I would hate it.
0: <laughs> why would you? Why would you hate it? Because it, I was thinking you have
1: to make all the decisions. You have to decipher exactly what you were talking about. Not not spelling things out too much. Knowing where, knowing just you. You need to have such a command of the story. Whereas an as an actor, I come in far more open and far more. Um, pliable and available so the idea of having to make decisions or really um, hone in on one particular idea is very frightening to me. I much prefer to be circling and exploring and responding and in the moment with an overall arc but I don't want to be making the decisions for how to end a scene or what's the right blocking or I much prefer to be guided with that. And I'll come in with an enormous amount of ideas, but that's probably part of my downfall is that I'm like always trying to explore and find, find the magic. And that probably came from initially when I was younger and we would come on set and we would have to work and you would have very limited time. So you just had to come in completely um, exposed and ready because there was no time. There was never any time, I come from the Australian film industry, where we were lucky to get any money to make the movies that we've, we've gotten to make, and you're hustling, right?
0: Yeah, well, we're you're always hustling. You're
1: hustling to get it done. You have <laughs> four weeks, and you're like, we're, this is nowhere near enough time, but we're going to do it.
0: And that comes down to trust as well. You know, the trust has to be there.
1: Yeah, and as I say, passion, desire, and... Um,
0: I mean, a want, a need, t- yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. Because otherwise you go, oh, I'm not going to put myself through this torture. No, well,
0: yeah, exactly.
1: No, I'm going to go get another job.
0: <laughs> yeah, we'd have done that a long time ago if we wanted an easy life. <laughs> yeah. But let's go back, let's talk about the Australian film industry and because mm. what age were you when you started? Four- 14? 14. Yeah, what was mm-hmm. that? Which film was that? It
1: was a film called Bush Christmas. Right. And I got to have six weeks off school. Bonus. I was 14 years old. And I went off and lived in the Australian bush with all the... And strangely enough, the, a lot of the people I'm working with on the crew now, on Nine Perfect Strangers, worked with me on Bush Christmas. No way. That's that's how tight the um, Aussie film industry is. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That is crazy. Yeah.
1: The woman who's uh, in the wardrobe department, she and I basically, you know, we started out really young together. She was in costumes and I was an actress, and we're still working together now. My, um, the woman who's doing my hair and makeup, she did Dead Calm with me years and years ago. Wow! Yeah, yeah, it's really lovely. Actually, feels very safe.
0: It so must be like just go. You're going back home. You're going back to where it all started. That's lovely.
1: Yeah, and we talk about. We, we talk about our history and our past together and then we're here and now and we're all still doing what we're doing. Actually, Noriko, who's my makeup artist, she was going, yeah, we're doing it because we love it. We're still here at this age, committed to doing it, whether we're in a, in, on the crew or whether we're actors, we're still all doing it because we love
0: what we do. Exactly. But mm. regardless of a global pandemic that makes everything stop mm. when we have no choice are you as a as an actor as a human being good at stopping and saying no I'm gonna take a break I'm not gonna dive into this next project because you know so much just go from job to job to job no I'm terrible at you're at terrible that. at stopping I'm
1: terrible at saying no as soon as I stop I go oh I'm not gonna start again I'm I've got that weird. <laughs> I'm like, oh, it's gonna. So then I sort of almost procrastinate as to whether I'm going to start something. Right. But I find it really hard to read something that ignites um, my interest or my curiosity. Or suddenly there's a person there and I go, oh my gosh, I've wanted to work with this person. Or this script is extraordinary. Yeah. I find that really hard. Partly because I come from that that place of there weren't there wasn't the work, so just the gift of work is is almost enough, mm-hmm. you know and then throw into it an extraordinary script or a great director or an actor you've spent your life wanting to work with or you've worked with before and you love working with and then it gets really complicated because um, it's like, gosh, I, I should never take this for granted. Exactly. Um, it could disappear tomorrow and I, I'm so excited so the excitement is still there which is but um but you know having been when we all shut down which was for us was in march when it just all everything got just stopped
0: yeah
1: and that was an amazing time to go inward and to do all the things of just because my family's always with me we travel around like a big circus Commune family. We travel. Extended family. We're always sort of. I got the idea from Stellan Skarsgård, who works a lot and has yeah. an, a lot of kids. <laughs> um, and I said, Stellan, how do you do it with the kids? He goes, You bring the kids. You bring friends. You bring aunts. You bring da 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 da. You bring family. You offer them. You rent a house, and you all just hub out of that place, and you're like some big ex- big commune. And then when you go off to work during the day, they're like, "Ah, oh, bah!" Well, Couldn't care less. Um, but you're all together in whatever country you're working from. It was so that, such a great
0: thing. It's such a great idea, and that explains why mm. he's so much fun to be around. Cause yes, he is such a laugh.
1: So, so great and yeah. has such a great outlook on life yeah. and that wonderful Scandinavian approach to just, yeah, but just wonderful humor. And I remember even when I was working with him and my my little one was, um, I think she was four or five and she was talking, she was on the set and she was talking and the way he talked to her. And the way he communicated with her, it was just, I was like, I learned more in half an hour from him than you do from a book.
0: A oh my Bearingen God. Book. Absolutely. I mean, go, we talked before about patronizing an audience. And, you know, sometimes when an adult just can't communicate with a child and they speak down to a child, he mm. is on, on a perfect mm-hmm. level with a child. He totally. speaks to them like they're just a small human being. That's the, he's, yeah. what an incredible man he is.
1: Yeah, yeah. And he's raised great kids. So, yeah. you know, I worked with Alex, his mm. son, and love him as well. And he needs just to get in shape though, doesn't good. he?
0: He's very overweight, <laughs> slovenly guy. He needs to, to get he's to the He's playing
1: gym. he's playing a Viking right. He's playing a nor in with a guy I'm heading off to Ireland in November to do um. I think with Robert Eggers, where he's the lead, Alex is the lead, and it's a Norse mythology story. So he's playing, um, I mean, he's probably in the best shape he's ever been in. He's wild looking, though.
0: Oh, he's I'm got sure. That
1: whole Viking. Yeah.
0: <laughs> whereabouts, whereabouts in Ireland?
1: Belfast. I've never been there.
0: Oh, my God. I shot an incredible drama series there that I'm really proud of that he's still going what? now. Um, what? It's, called, it's called Line of Duty. You, you would really like it. It's a police procedural yes, drama. Yes, no,
1: I've heard of it. Yeah. I've heard of it. I was recommended it.
0: Well, I'll get it Someone sent Someone said to me, you've got to
1: start watching it. Yeah.
0: Mm, I'll get it sent. Yes, but, I can't remember um, who
1: it was. They recently, I said, what should I start watching it? I think it was actually um, my girlfriend here. And she said, line of duty, it's amazing.
0: I, I th- yeah. Right, and so it's so still shooting
1: there in Belfast? That's
0: where that's where we were based, in Belfast. So I'll give you a list of all the great yes. places to eat. Don't worry, I'll sort that out. It's a fantastic if, if I'm
1: allowed to go anywhere, I may just be in the house and, and, yeah. I'd love to be able to explore. My roots are Irish. I've got Irish blood. Yeah, you're there.
0: You're, you'll be fine. <laughs> so just going back to that first film, Nicole, were you... Mm. Were you taking drama classes at school or is it extracurricular? How how did it first come about for you?
1: I was doing it on the weekends. I'd catch a... A bus and a train. I found this little local. Well, not wasn't local. It was in the city Mm. um, acting school. I was begging my parents to find an acting school for me, and we found one that was in the city on a Saturday morning. So instead of going to the beach with my friends, I would get on a bus at six a.m. I'd catch a train and then I would walk, and I would get there by eight thirty a.m. on a Saturday morning, and I would stay there for the whole of Saturday till about 2:30 in the afternoon and we would do history of theater we would do improv classes we would do dance we would do it was like a mini little drama school and it was every Saturday and I loved it and in that time I studied you know they they were I was like maybe I think I was about 12 13 we were doing Tennessee Williams we were doing Chekhov we were doing Ibsen we were doing all sorts of things that were far beyond my reach intellectually, but I was still grasping for the characters and Mm. learning... And then learning about the Greeks and learning because we were doing history of theatre, which I was like, oh, this is so boring. But then I would become enraptured, yeah. you know. And um, and then doing you know jazz ballet for you know a session of that. So it was just a, a and then an accent class. They would throw that in every every couple of weekends. So it was fantastic. But I sorted out. And my school was an all girls um, academic school. So um, it, didn't, it didn't really focus on the arts.
0: Mm.
1: Um, it was far more about um, science and maths, which, strangely enough, I love mathematics.
0: Do you? Because I was going to ask how, <laughs> how you were. Were you academic at school?
1: Um, I was until I started um, taking time off to go and do films. Yeah. So then I would skip huge amounts of school. And come back and be trying to catch up because the hardest thing is tutoring on set. You know they have, would have a tutor for me on the set, and I'd yeah. be like,
0: oh,
1: I so don't want to do this. I want to <sighs> go and chat to the crew and run around and, and watch the filming. I don't want to be sitting in a in a small room um, in the hours that I'm not filming, trying to study. I'm a, a, any any young actor who's listening to this, you must tutor and you must do your schoolwork.
0: <laughs> but also you must go to the <laughs> don't DOP don't pay any
1: attention to me
0: you must also ask the <clears> DOP <throat> what lens he's using there and why he's using that and what that crew member does I, I, yeah. I I'm still fascinated by that after 20 years yeah. I'm constantly going so why is there a reason why you're actually using that light there and why because you know we're just all constantly learning all the yeah. time
1: the weirdest thing is I still don't know lenses
0: Oh no, they can tell me in one ear out the other. It's like it's a bit like Greek, but I'm st- I, I
1: still want to know. Right? I've see. I've sort of almost. It's it's like wearing um, rose colored glasses where I just go. Oh, I'm not even going to pay attention to any of that. They'll just shoot. I never watch dailies. I never watch the playback.
0: No, I mean, <laughs> I was shooting a series in Malaysia a few mm. years ago, and mm. I was one of the oldest members. On on set, there was a lot of young. No, oh right. Don't flatter me, Nicole Mm. Kidman.
1: I'm (laughs) gonna flatter you.
0: (laughs) There there were a lot of sort of young twenty year olds, and they would shoot a scene, Mm. and then they would run round to the monitor, and they would want to watch playback straight away. And I, I mean, obviously, I didn't say anything. It's not my job to say anything. But one that sort of takes up more time yeah. for for everybody, especially the crew who've been on set since five a.m. in the blistering heat. Um, but also, you're already making judgments about your performance. Exactly. So then it comes down to vanity. It's like you you don't have a conversation with someone in real life and then want to play it back and <laughs> it's. What, I are hope do, not. what are you well, you know we we wish we could sometimes <laughs> when we make those mistakes i know I certainly could but it's <laughs> like don't do that don't do that man just just yeah just be, i agree you know go back to go back to the training
1: yeah and no, i've i mean i find, i mean unless a director makes me watch it, I really will not not watch it occasionally i've had a director go come on you have to come and look at this or look
0: <laughs> yeah, and I sort of uh, go, yeah that is awful but the, the amount of times that they do that and i've had that done to me it's usually mm. for it's usually for a technical reason that, yeah that yeah that, that, that something has to be hit in a certain way and that yeah as painful as it is to go back and watch, you sort of have to do it.
1: Yeah, yeah, but if you train yourself to always be looking, thats I think that's really dangerous, slippery slope. Mm -hmm. And I know most of the directors that I work with don't want that. They don't want an actor rushing to the monitor. Sometimes they shield it and they go, no, no, no no-one's to be watching playback, right?
0: Yeah, of course, because Mm. as an actor, that ain't your job. That's the the director has a monitor in front of them. That ain't your job. That ain't your job, is it? It's oh, um, like the director has a monitor in front of them for a reason, because they have the overall vision. So yeah. go and get back in your box. And
1: we and can just go, off you go. We can just Take go and play. Take control, hope it's good.
0: Cross fingers, let's go, team. <laughs> um, so with doing these Saturday classes, you were, you know, you yeah. touched on... Uh, dance and history of theatre, but you, you haven't mentioned about acting in front of a camera. So were you...
1: No, they didn't teach us that.
0: Which which, even now at drama school, we, I think certainly when I was training, we had about three or four hours over three years. <laughs> because it was... All
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's true. And you yes. bring your script in and that's it.
1: That is so true. It's crazy, they right? D- really, yeah. I mean, I don't know what it's like now. But- I think it's the
0: same. I think... Oh. OK, uh, bring your scripts. Let's do... Yeah, have a look at that. Right. See ya. Whereas the, 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 the depth of the history of theatre and we look into Ibsen and Stanislavski and everything, It's like, yeah. well, I think there's a fair... Let's my whole
1: my whole life is going to be basically camera work. Yeah, I'll be lucky if I get to do a play every couple of years. Yeah.
0: Do you enjoy yeah. going back to stage, Nicole?
1: Oh, I love it. I've I've owned, can you believe this? I've only ever started I've only done plays in London. And then one time we took it to Broadway, but basically I that's where I feel safe because at the Donmar I was talking to um someone recently who was we were just Um, waxing lyrical about the Don Mar just because that theatre and being able to go in there 120 seats and Mm. and do a play oh Luke Evans I was talking to Luke right and he was talking about oh my god the Don Mar and and I've seen him a couple of times there but it was just like oh my god that theatre we love it love it so doing it like that and then I did um, the West End for photograph 51 which was terrifying but ultimately, really, really, really satisfying. But I had the worst stage fright imaginable, like l- hearing my heart pounding. Really? Like, that sort of, oh, like really debilitating. Not to the point where I wouldn't go on. No. But it was pretty rough, I have to say. It was
0: not what I recalled. Had that happened before to you, or was that a new thing?
1: No, no. It was, And it was almost like, I was like, oh, good, after about two weeks, this will go away. It never went.
0: No way, for the whole run? No,
1: it never went, no. (gasps) Nope. (laughs) So I would stand there listening to my heart. I was, I don't know if it's age or what it was or hormones or something, but it was something. It was really, really bad. But I still got on. I got on eight shows a week. I did it.
0: My God. I made it. But you had to go through that.
1: And I was, and once I was on, I loved it. But it was those, in that, standing in those dark wings that it's just like, oh, you've got to be kidding. You've got to be kidding. I'm not going to, I'm not going to be able to... Uh, uh, and then, on. Right?
0: Yeah, already my heart's going as you're talking about that because I, 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 I can really feel it. That is an, it's an awful feeling because it's... Awful. It's...
1: Took me it, by surprise, too. I didn't, re- I mean, I didn't have it when I did The Blue Room when I was younger. I was like, ah, yeah couple of the first few nights there eh.
0: which like you would have thought for something like the blue room because of the you know that it was a two-hander <laughs> it was exposing you're in 120 you're in that one of the the most sort of tight the tiniest little space beautiful space yeah. but it's tiny you can see the audience the white of their eyes they're there they're, they're with you more or less on stage
1: i was nervous on the previews in the opening night but no no on the the west end i was like oh my God. And I would look out at the theatre when it was empty and Michael Grandage would be in the back rows going, I can't hear you. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> um, when we were rehearsing and I'd be like, oh, I have no idea I'm going to get on when, there's, when this thing's got people in it. And then I was worried that it wasn't going to sell any tickets, which is also, I had not thought of that at no. all when I committed to doing it. You know, just thought, oh, wonderful, go to play in London, how exquisite. Got there and went, oh, you've you've got to sell the tickets. You're responsible for selling the tickets and Mm. hoping that the show's going to be good and the reviews are going to, oh my God.
0: That's crippling.
1: But hey, walk. It was, (laughs) luckily, it didn't cripple me, but it was definitely um, uncomfortable. But I was surrounded by theatre actors. I was surrounded by the most incredible group of actors and then Michael, who was just wonderful to me, and Christopher, who did the... Pro- so there was a... And then we had such a fantastic reaction to it. And it was also about... It was a play about a female scientist mm. who had not been acknowledged in her her time for her discoveries and had that had been taken from her. And she'd died... Early, so my desire for her story to be told, Rosalind Franklin, it was just that was also one of the overpowering things, which was good. So I could take my my own sort of sense of identity out of it and put it into her yeah. and go, well, as long as I can tell her story and let her speak through me. But as soon as I allowed myself to enter the equation, it was like. Phew.
0: But you came through it and you're stronger for it, and hopefully that won't happen <laughs> next time you get back. More on terrified. <laughs> well, look, <laughs> shouldn't. Shouldn't we, I mean, maybe not to that extent, but shouldn't we terrify ourselves now and then? Otherwise, maybe we Definitely wouldn't. Definitely
1: feel alive when you yeah. can hear your heart
0: beating. Of course.
1: Definitely feel like, right, well, at least I, I can hear it, so it must be working. <laughs> I'm gasping for air.
0: Yeah, maybe, maybe oh. not take it to that extent. You know, not, <laughs> that's not, we don't need any brown paper bags in the wings. <laughs> So, going, just it up on acting for screen, you were basically on that, certainly that first film and maybe subsequent after, you were learning, you know, acting and camera on the job.
1: I was learning that on the job, yeah, yeah. but because I'd had the... Um, and strangely enough, I did a play then when I was 17 um, called Steel Magnolias, yeah. um, where I did a run of that for um, 16 weeks, which was a great thing to do when i was about 17 um, and so i was just in that place of just wanting a job wanting to work right
0: yeah feed feed and feed. being
1: lucky enough to get some get some roles that were really um really rich and uh and i was learning as i as as i went yes but i was also able i was i was i had people like george miller and um Philip Noyce and John Dygan and Terry Hayes, a whole sl- and Chris Chris Noonan who was an Australian director, and there was a and then Jane Campion, of
0: course, she
1: came along and she saw me actually in drama school, the little drama school, the Saturday drama school, where she was trying to cast her student film. Because oh, she really? was in, um, yeah, she was in film school, so she came along to the little, you know, theatre theatre group that I was in, and watched it, and cast me in her student film. Isn't that crazy?
0: That is not, it just goes Yeah, say.
1: I subsequently didn't do it though. I pulled out of, which I've told the story, but I pulled out of doing the, the student film, It was called A Girl's Own Story, and I was mm. like, I called her up, I think it was about a week before we meant to shoot, and said, no, I can't do it. I've Why? got school exams. Well, I did have school exams, but I would have blown them off. I didn't want to wear a shower cap and kiss a girl. I was 14. Right, OK. I wanted, to, I wanted to have really nice hair and kiss a boy. Yeah. So I was like, no, I don't really want to wear a shower cap and kiss a girl, so I'm not going to do that. <laughs> and, now I, and now I totally regret, I've always said, now I'll wear a shower cap and kiss a girl anytime. <laughs>
0: Especially for Jane Campion.
1: Absolutely. (laughs) So, yeah, isn't that funny?
0: But it also just goes to show, I always say to people, yeah, it's great that there's talent, but it's like right time, right place. Look, she was there at that point.
1: But we stayed friends. We stayed really good friends. Mm. And then I did this film Portrait of a Lady with her and and I've stayed friends with her and then I came back here and did a show with her in Australia. Mm. She's very much been a guiding light in my life. No. She has such a great um, joie de vivre and way of sort of viewing the world. So she's really, really been a a beacon.
0: She always seems to have such a clear vision and such passion with her work Mm. and what she does.
1: And just as a, a mentor in terms of... Women and and a life mentor. She's she's pretty great because mm. she's kind of just carved her own path and never um, bowed down or never sort of really. Um, she's never bent herself in a place that she didn't need to go. Yeah. And she's done a lot of exploration, and you know, she's just a really interesting mind and soul.
0: And uh, you know. She, she takes risks. Yeah. She's, a, she's a, an artist who takes risks, and I think, you know... And just, I mean, we would not need to go back through your filmography, but, you know, look at Kubrick, look at Gus Van Sant, you know, Lars yeah. von Trier, you know, these people yeah. who don't rest on the Forever. laurels. I mean, I could do a no. whole podcast where we just talk about Dogville and... <sighs> what? How... <laughs> Right, okay, so we're going to do this Brechtian. Right, okay, I've got you. I'm in. I'm in. But the great thing about that is that, see, the one thing I've, and I've said this before, I think on the podcast, I hate, I I kind of, it prickles me the word fine, because it's it's neither, and it's neither this. I would sooner someone go, I passionately despise that film or that piece of art or I adore it and it fills me with excitement and joy. Be one or the other. And, you know, there's a lot of filmmakers like that who, who do that, who take risks yes. and put it all out there.
1: I'm very drawn to them.
0: Yes, me too. <laughs> me too. As, as yeah, uh, you yeah. know, as an actor and as an audience member. As, a human, me. as, as well, a human being as well, I'm exactly. drawn to them.
1: Yeah. So, yeah, no, Dogville was shot in Trollhattan in Sweden in mostly in the winter it was dark most of the time and it was a f- crazy crazy experience but a great memory it was just a lot of snow and Lars and and no walls
0: <laughs> and, a, and, a, and a lot when, of white
1: tape. We yeah, when we went on the set, um, and I remember being like, okay, here comes all, my, all the mime work that I did on those Saturday classes. Mm. This is a... Oh, and I remember, like, patting the dog, you know, the, yeah. the imaginary dog. Feel the fur, feel the ears, feel the breath of the dog. All of that work that you do. Yeah. <laughs> Here's the doorknob. No, nope. can you really fit the right size? Redo it, redo it. You'd spend hours doing those mime classes and I would remember thinking, this is just a complete waste of time. When am I ever going to use this? Ridiculous. And subsequently have used it so much because of special effects and green screen. I remember in Golden Compass having to do it with the pretend monkey. Yeah. I'm like, oh, here comes the mime classes again. I feel the fur. <laughs> the fur of the monkey <laughs> on my shoulder. Its small tail. Yep, I've got its tail here.
0: Yeah. See, so we're, we're still going back to those Saturday classes that you put it. You put all don't this
1: slack off. That you don't think ever that, slack off in those of classes. Training.
0: You put it in your <laughs> rucksack and you go. I'm never going to use this. And all of a sudden, hey ho, technology's moved on and we're bringing out. We're pulling out the mind classes. <laughs> yeah. Um, Nicole, it's been such a lovely time having a chat I hope you've enjoyed it and you've really kicked started now we have to day. work together well yeah we'll sort that look we'll sort that out That's, I'm, I'm, no problem and when we next do a podcast we need to do one about how um, you upset my childhood that I couldn't afford a BMX because BMX Bandits was up there for me and I had to have my brother's big heavy grifter so therefore I wasn't allowed in the gang and you, you know you, you need to take some Baby. sort of responsibility for that I think
1: oh i will thank you i'm to blame (laughs) no i'm married to a man now who who grew up with the bmx bike so part of the reason i think he's into me is because i was in that film there we go so you never know what what film's gonna lead you to your destiny right
0: that's true it's all about the people (laughs) we meet along the way Nicole Kidman, thank you so much. And I can't wait to finish uh, The Undoing. You take care. Have a brilliant day.
1: Thank you. Bye.
0: Bye. (laughs) And another episode is done. What did I tell you? What a laugh. Um, I really enjoyed that. And I got word... That um, Nicole really loved it too. So that's it. That's a bonus. That's what I want. I want people to come on and have a conversation um, that they're not expecting. I think she probably thought I was just going to talk about the show. Oh, no, 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 no. There's other podcasts for that. This is not the place. Did you enjoy it? I really hope so. And look, not that we have, you know, huge names on all the time. But I think it's really good to mix it up. So this might be a very lovely introduction for somebody who isn't on board or doesn't subscribe to the Two Shot Podcast. So you know what I always say, word of mouth is key. So send this episode to someone, they might like it. They might dive into the back catalog of the other 136 and we are gonna keep on trucking. Um, Yeah, I'm just juggling a few other guests at the moment. But thank you so much for downloading and subscribing and supporting in whatever way. If it is throwing us a few pants every month on uh, Patreon, patreon.com forward slash the two shot podcast, go there. If you would like to support us, this you know, it's a truly independent podcast and it is supported by you. And that's what keeps it going through your financial support and your love and the support that you give us, the messages, the emails. Um, we couldn't do it without you. We wouldn't want to do it without you. So, uh, yeah, a huge, huge thank you. Um, well, I think that's it. I think I've rambled on. You can tell that I'm still absolutely buzzing and very, very giddy. So I hope it's infectious, and I hope you are too. Um, yeah, what a brilliant conversation. Loved it. Until next week, do take care. Do whatever you need to do to take care of yourself. Okay? Until next week, I've been Craig Parkinson. He's been producer Griff. And this has been the Two Shot Podcast. You take care. See you next week. The Two Shot Podcast is presented by me, Craig Parkinson, recorded and produced by Thomas Griffin for Splicing Block. Our music, our brilliant music, is courtesy of Then Thickens. Cheers. ACAST powers some of the world's best podcasts. Here's a show we recommend. I'm Teresa
1: Caputo, and I am dying to tell you about my new podcast, Hey Spirit. Most of you might know me as the Long Island Medium. Why do people even call me that? Well, I talk to the dead.
0: Oh, he is funny as <laughs> shit. He literally just said, to Teresa, he's a better
1: husband because of me.
0: <laughs> yeah, I can see that.
1: Through this podcast, I'm going to connect guests with the souls of their departed loved ones and give them the peace that they've been searching for. I got to catch up with my friend, Kim Kardashian West. Every brunch, we have this Armenian and Bichy. that totally brings our dad into the mix. Today, I had the pleasure of sharing my gift with Nathan Lane. I am so super excited for you guys to hear and be a part of Hey Spirit. Please subscribe wherever you listen.
0: ACAST hey, 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 recommends.
1: Hey,